Hey Jimmy, how you doing buddy? It is good to see you my friend. How is everything over there on the East Coast? Uh, well, what's going on Pastor? Uh, first of all, I miss you and Jen and the entire City First family. God bless you, I'm honored to be before you uh, this morning, today, whoever's gonna listen to this later, this broadcast. Uh, just honored to be a part of the conversation. Absolutely love your church, absolutely love your pastors, and thanks for checking in on me. We're, we're holding up, man. It's been a tough season. Uh, it's been uh, very, uh, as, as you know, if you're not living under a rock, you know that the racial tensions are high and uh, that coupled with COVID and, yeah. you know, uh, man, I've, I've just had to quarantine my attitude a few times, <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> right? And so, and so, man, we're making it though. God's faithful, God's good. Nothing takes him by surprise. Just, 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 just excited about the opportunity uh, for our country to get better through all this. Yeah, amen, amen. You know, I believe God sovereignly and in a providential way crossed our paths so yeah. that we could become friends. And you know, um, as, as everything has unfolded here, not only with the COVID crisis, but obviously with uh, the conversation at hand about race, yeah. uh, I thought of no better person than to call you my friend and to have a conversation because this is what I know about you. Um, you love Jesus with all your heart. Yeah. You're, you're super wise and you're in the middle of a lot of the conversations right now in our nation with large churches like City First. And you, you and your wife, beautiful wife, are gonna be coming and doing our marriage conference here in the fall. Um, you have spoken on First Wednesday. You were actually supposed to be at First Wednesday and it got canceled because of the COVID thing. Right. But um, you're, you're a part of our church and a part of our church family. So let's, let's dive into this, all right? I wanna know, as a, a black man, as a pastor, and everything that has been taking place in the last few weeks here, uh, and even before that, with, you know, Ahmad and, and all of that, I wanna know what's going through your mind, what's in your heart. Let us, let us see into what's going on in, in, in your life right now. What are you feeling, man? Well, thank you for asking. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, um, I just want to start off by, before we even jump in, just giving a few disclaimers that will help, uh, I believe, set the foundation for our talk. Is number one, uh, all white people are not racist, right? So I don't come from that thought, that train of thought. I also don't come from the train of thought uh, that all police officers are bad. I don't come from the train of thought that all black people hate white people. Um, and so I think a lot of times before we get into conversations, people are so defensive because they think that you're going to come from a certain angle. I want to come from the angle of the gospel, mm -hmm. right? The gospel Amen. message of Jesus Christ. And, and, you know, as we talk about that as a pastor, man, my, my, you know, as a pastor, I'm hurting for our church. She was predominantly African-American uh, where it's so easy to be angry and so easy uh, to let that anger uh, turn into some level of, of response that, uh, that I would, although I would understand, uh, you know, I think scripture, you know, tells us to be angry and sin not. Um, I, I'm trying to figure out the complexities of the relationships that I have uh, with a lot of white pastor friends that I have who, who uh, you know, who haven't, who haven't championed this 
topic. I mean, I've been at this for the last eight years. I've been at being black for the last 46 years, <laughs> right? And, yeah. and uh, I'm, I'm getting some questions for the first time uh, in 25 year relationships with some white friends of, you know, of what about this and what about that? So although I'm encouraged about the questions and I'm encouraged about the conversation and I know God is in it, that, that like the call loves that, but then the humanity side of me, the human side of me, uh, that is African-American, that is hurting, uh, uh, that is wondering, like, why don't you know this already? Uh, that, is, that is wondering, why does it take uh, two murders uh, for everybody to finally be a part of the conversation? Of course, I'm human, so I feel that, but I, what I've learned uh, about this, Jeremy, is that in moments like this, God, has this supernatural ability to turn our greatest misery into our greatest ministry. And this is exactly what I feel in this moment. I feel the call of God saying, Jimmy, uh, pray. And this is what I've been doing. I've been praying that God give me compassion for people that I can't convince. I've wow. been praying that God let my heart hurt for the things that hurts the heart of God, which is hate and racism and injustice. And, uh, and, and, I'm, and so I'm, I'm like, if I'm honest with you, my emotions are all over the place, but I've decided that I'm not gonna be led by my emotions. I'm gonna be led by the call of God and by the things that unite us. Oh, and here's the good. thought that I think that we can agree on. like. I am black, you are white, right? Like we have differences, we have cultural differences, our, our, we have different upbringings. And here's the deal, like if we're gonna try to figure out, uh, you know, how to bridge the gap of what's divided us, we first have to have common ground on what unites us. Yes, amen. And here's what unites us, is that in Christ, we are brothers, and sisters, no matter our ethnic background, no matter our yes. socioeconomic status, no matter where we come from, because as a kingdom citizen, the kingdom of God, the gospel message of Jesus Christ, my ethnic culture is a subculture to the kingdom culture. Yes. And if we don't start with the, with the bottom line uh, foundation that when you saw Ahmaud Arbery getting chased, or when you saw George Floyd under the knee uh, of a police officer, if we don't have the common thing, that, that's, not, uh, 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 that's not just an acquaintance. In Christ, that's my brother. Yes, yes. In, in, in Christ, that's my sister who got pushed or, or, or whatever it is, or got racially profiled. And so we have to understand that if we focus on what unites us, it makes it easier to receive people's ideas of what divides us. That's good. Oh my gosh, that is so good. That is so good. So let me ask this then. Okay? Yeah. Because um, I do talk to people who sometimes question if there is systemic <laughs> racism or yeah. even a white privilege. And, yeah. and, and when they hear that, they, they bristle and they say, no, like, there is not such a thing as white privilege or, or whatever. And, and what would you say to that? What would you say to that as a black man, but also a pastor? Because there are a lot of people watching this right now from all different colors, right? Yeah. And, and I think that, um, that term white privilege has become polarizing to some people. Yeah. 
And, and so what would you say to that? Is there systemic racism in your opinion? I'll, I'll give you my opinion, but I want to hear yours first, all right? And is there white privilege in your opinion? What would you say to that? Well, let me, before I answer that question, just illustrate it with this thought, right? Like uh, years ago, I used to have horrible back problems and I'd go to the chiropractor. Uh, and when I go to the chiropractor, I don't know about you, whoever's watching, I absolutely hate filling those forms out, especially when I've done it before. I'm like, yeah, do you guys have a computer? What are we doing? Right. But what they're trying to do is assess the level of pain. And when they assess the level of pain, they ask you on that form to mark where it hurts. Right. And then give the degree of how much it hurts. So I begin to mark, OK, this area of my back and then I'll say maybe a seven or eight. And then the doctor begins to prescribe a prescription to the pain. Now, I have never gone back to see the doctor after I filled out the form. Now, understand, he wasn't present when I filled it out. He only gets it when I get to him. Yeah. He has never tried to negotiate. Does it really hurt that bad? Huh. He huh. has never said, are you sure that's a thing? What he says is he realizes is, watch this, no matter what his background is, no matter what he thinks about one thing, because some of the argument is, well, if you say black lives matter, but what about the things that they do uh, other than, you know, uh, uh, you know, champion, you know, this issue of racism? What about their beliefs in this? I, when I have an emergency, I'm not sitting there asking the surgeon, hey, what's your political background? I just need help. Yes. And when he helps me, they don't uh, evaluate my pain. They just realize that God has given them the gifts in their hands to bring healing. And if we would recognize that we are the tangible hands and feet of Jesus, we would not try to evaluate people's pain because that brings judgment that doesn't bring them to Jesus. Oh, that's so good. before that's we good. even have a conversation, why are we talking about, is this real? If right. it's real to me, it's real. And Jesus looked at the crowds. He said, I have to have compassion on them. He didn't look at the crowds and says, I don't know why y'all ain't healed yet. He didn't look at the crowds and say, well, you Jews, you know, I'm only going to deal with Jews. Yeah. It didn't make him any. It, watch this. He was actually sent to heal them, but he didn't get offended that they were wondering why he didn't show up earlier. Wow. They didn't get offended uh, uh, at the fact that he didn't get offended at the fact that like they didn't do life or they didn't believe certain. He just operated with kingdom. He operated with kingdom. Yeah. And so yeah. when I'm starting to talk about all lives matters versus black lives matter, I'm just simply saying, can we just put my pain inside of your heart because we're brothers and sisters and not judge the level of it and not think anything less of yourself because culturally your culture may have attributed to it. Yes. When we do that, we are putting our ethnic culture before the kingdom culture. Yes. And what I'm saying is, is let's come into everyone's world and try to experience things from their point of view without the mindset of, well, what about this? And what about that? 
And what about the rioters? And what about the good police officers? I get it. All police officers aren't bad. The rioting is awful. The looting is awful. But let's not allow symptoms to overshadow the main thing. Yeah, the greater conversation, right? That's it. So, so okay. I was born, I was born white. Really? <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm, I'm Dutch, I'm German, I'm English, all right? I did not choose it. I was born this way, okay? So, here's the question. The question is, for people like me, yeah. who were born this way, yeah. what is your experience of having dark skin, what has that been like? Because this is what I notice. I notice that a lot of times people will make accusations and assumptions, but they haven't walked in the shoes of the other person. And yeah. my friends who are African-American will tell me that their experience going into stores, driving down the road, getting pulled over from, by a cop, I, I, <laughs> I had 21 traffic violations by the time I was 20 years old. My parents don't even know about those. They're watching probably right now and they're learning that. But my point is, is this, I never once got pulled over and thought to myself, my life potentially could be in danger. Yeah. I could be going to jail. I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't think about that. I was just like, oh crap, here we go. Another, another traffic ticket and I gotta go on court supervision. Yeah. Walk us a little bit through what you've experienced. Because I think that's important for people Absolutely. to understand it. So I, I, I can give you, you know, 10 really quick examples. Number one is my daughter went on a soccer team uh, and she was the only African-American uh, on the team. And we were the only African-American family, you know, go figure soccer. And, um, <laughs> and, you know, one of the little boys made fun of her hair and he made fun of her hair uh, because, you know, it was braided. And here's the deal, was he racist? No, he's eight, right? But his worldview is not through his own eyes and perspective, they're through the eyes of his parents. So that, that I'm better than got passed down to an eight-year-old, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That's a real experience. And then when I took it to the coach, there is no understanding, oh, he's just a kid, like I'm just being blown off. I have been pulled over. I actually was in uh, uh, Colorado Springs pre preaching at a pastor's conference on racism, 1,200 pastors. I'm the only black guy in the room. God moved tremendously. People came up for issues of the heart, racism, prejudice, whatever. It was awesome. Uh, we sang Break Every Chain. It, it, we anointed people with oil. It was great. My flight got delayed. I was going home from BWI Airport. Two o'clock in the morning, I get pulled over. For what? For nothing. Why? Not because it's a bad police officer, because there was a bad heart behind the badge. Yeah. And he began to try to provoke me. I said, sir, can you tell me why I got pulled over? You don't need to know why I got pulled over. Now listen, I know that that is a real thing for me. That really happened. I did nothing. I'm a pastor. I'm like, I just laid hands. I know it's an attack from the enemy because like, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Yes. And in that moment, I'm saying to myself, why do I have to prove to people that this is a part of my experience? I don't know about you, Jeremy, when someone answers your altar call, you don't tell them to prove it first. 
right. before, you pr- before you pray for them. You just have empathy because that is what it's required. I have to have conversations with my son. Take your hood off. Don't go outside with your shirt on. Don't jog in the neighborhood. I have to have that conversation. Why? Because since I've been an adult, I cannot remember one week that has gone by in my life that I haven't experienced some level of profiling or some level of stereotypical thinking. No, it's not all okay. racism. Whoa, 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 whoa. I want you to stop there. There hasn't been one week. I mean, that's, I want, I want the listeners to hear that. There hasn't been one week in your life that you haven't experienced that. And I think everybody listening right now, you have to allow that to sink in. I mean, quite honestly, it's making me a little emotional because that is not the experience of most white people. So I think when we're hearing this, guys, we need to sit there and listen and, and realize that there is, there is a a very real system, there is a very real privilege that many times we as white people can't acknowledge or don't acknowledge because we don't see it. We don't hear the stories. Jeremy, can I offer to you that privilege in its simplest form, in the context of this conversation, is you just have the privilege of never experiencing any of that. And guess what? It's a privilege. It's crazy to me that in the body of Christ, we want to acknowledge when we're blessed from God. We will say, oh, I got a job that I didn't qualify for and we call it favor. Man, I have God's favor. But yet in society, when we have an advantage or when someone has an advantage, they want to shy away from the fact that they have the advantage. Guess what? You just have the advantage to never have a conversation with your son that I have to have with mine. That is a privilege that you should be thankful that you don't have to tell your son that you should be thankful that uh, you don't have to stay up all night worrying. Is he going to come home safe? That you should be thankful that you can walk into rooms and just assume you're welcome. I've gotten into pools on resorts where I was the only black guy and people got out of the pool and ask their kids to get out of the pool because they have never been in close proximity with an African-American they've only seen on the news. That exists, right? I have had uh, someone in my first day at Bible college, I'll never forget, I was one of 15 African-Americans out of 750 to uh, to 1,500 students. I can't remember the exact number. And the first day of college, the professor, we, we come onto this college campus and the professor meets my parents and says, well, what inner city are you from? Wow. Right? That's just, you don't have to experience that. You don't have to navigate. Like now do I respond in anger to confirm a stereotype? Do I, do I, do I, am I, am I paranoid? Like, like this is a part of my life. I want you to even, I want this one to really sink in. My dad went to Vietnam, was drafted into Vietnam and had to fight for a country that wasn't fighting for him. Wow. And he said when they were in the foxhole fighting together, bullets coming at them, nobody was white or black or Hispanic or tall or short. They were all in the U.S. Army trying to survive. And my dad said he will never forget at that moment he had just saved someone's life in that moment because they were unified because they were fighting for the same thing. And that night at the bar 
When they were at the bar, they found out that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated and the same guy that he fought next to in the foxhole says to him, look, we killed your leader and sneered and laughed. Guess what? You'll never have to experience that. And that is okay that you'll never have to experience it, but is it, it's not okay to act like it doesn't exist just because you'll never experience it. That's so good. This is why yeah. when Jesus says he looked at the crowds, he had compassion on them. And I'm, I'm, I'm of this thought of mine. If the crowd you're in doesn't require compassion, you're in the wrong crowd. That is so true. That is so good. That is so good. My gosh, I tell you, okay, we're people of faith, all right? And I know there might even be people watching that don't have a faith, and I, if so, I'm so glad they're a part of this conversation. But yeah. for people of faith, what do we do? What do we do, yeah. all right? And, and, and honestly, I almost want you to, to boil it down. What would you say, what would you say to people that are white? Yeah. What would you say to people of color? What would you say that we need to do? Because we got to be, we got to be coming at this differently, right? We're coming yeah. at it in a kingdom mindset, but but I don't think doing anything right now is an option. Yeah. So what do we do? Well, I think Paul highlights this in First uh, Corinthians nine, uh, and he says this, and from the Message version, it says, "Even though I am free from the demands of e and expectations of everyone." or anyone, I've become just about every sort of servant there is to any and all in order to reach those I meet or to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. Hmm. He says, I did it because of the gospel. And then he says how he did it. I entered into their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. It goes on to says, I did it because of the gospel message. It says, I didn't want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Man, yeah. Eugene Peterson paints that so well. But I think we find kind of three or four things in there about what to do. Because Paul was trying to reach a generation of people that, that were just all over the place and perverse this Corinthian church. And, and he says, man, how do I do this? They were, you know, identifying themselves with things that weren't a part of their identity. The first thing he did, which all of us need to do, is be willing to enter somebody's world that doesn't look like you. What does that look like? What kind of small group are you in? What does that look like? Let me tell you something. Just like when we preach in church uh, that our heart is connected to our money and our money is connected to our heart. And they used to say that your checkbook, you know, can tell what you think about God's church. I believe your cell phone can tell what you think about diversity. Wow. Look in your phone. If there, are there any people in your favorites that don't look like you? Wow. Right? Wow. Are there any people in your contacts other than business contacts that don't look like you? And if the answer is no, enter into somebody's world. Begin to uh, uh, pursue people that are outside of your comfort zone. Acts 1.8, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost. Who are the people on the other side of your comfort zone that the message of Christ has not reached them yet? because of our preferences and because of our selfishness and because we're not living out this kingdom message about, uh, you know, it says you are here to be light, bringing out the God colors of the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this as public as a city on a hill. 
who and uh, has been in proximity of me that had that the message, the gospel message has become a secret because they don't look like me. Wow. Wow. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. What do you what do you see on the other side of this covid crisis? What the church is going to look like, especially taking into consideration the racial tension that's going on right now. What what churches are going to be most like Jesus? What are the ones that are going to be um, moving forward and doing the most the most work for God? What does it look like? Well, that's a good question. I don't think it's ironic uh, that we're in these COVID craziness streets, and I believe uh, that the church doors aren't closed. The church has been commissioned to go. And the problem is, if I'm honest with you, Jeremy, many of our leaders, we've looked at uh, the crowd inside. The only compassion we have is the crowd inside the four walls of of the church. Mm -hmm. And so our wins have been how many people come to church? Well, that's no longer the win because the church doors have been closed. I believe that COVID-19 has put a spotlight on what it's like to be the church and not go to church. That's right. And so the churches that are going to to be a part of the conversation and going to endeavor for unity and are going to serve their city, those are the churches that God is going to use in this season uh, to give a voice to and to give influence to because guess what? The church inside the four walls is never going to be diverse until the church outside of the four walls that goes to work every day, that gets on the metro every day, that goes to the soccer game every day, that they breathe and live diversity and unity and endeavor for it. Because here's the deal. We have to really, really recognize that the local church will never be diverse until my life's church is diverse. It is not your job to make your church diverse. God gave some apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists in Ephesians 4 to do what? To equip the saints to do the work of ministry. We've got to do some work in the racial divide. And God is looking for bricklayers. God is looking for pioneers. And can I say it the Jimmy Rollins way? God ain't looking for punk Christians in this season. He's looking for pioneering, bricklaying, God-fearing, blood-bought, resurrection power Christians to go outside to get delivered from people's opinion so that we can deliver people who have been ostracized because of the color of their skin, because of their social economic condition, and be the gospel. It is time for the church to put their mouth where their mission has been. Oh, that's good. Yes. Amen. Come on. Come on. That's right. I tell you, I I get fired up about that. I can't get I can't get too excited right now because I don't want to be the angry black guy. (laughs) You are the angry black guy, man. Oh, I love you, friend. I love you, friend. I, I, I tell you what, as we close, I would be honored if you would pray over City First Church and you would um because we want to be that church. And I believe to a degree we already are. We're, we're not starting from zero here. You've been yeah. to our church. We're a diverse church. But we could always get better. And, and we need to be better. And um, a lot of people, we need to learn more about what is going on right now in our streets and in our communities. 
and uh, to get outside the four walls, but I, I want you to pray a prayer of blessing. I want you to pray for us, and uh, I can't wait to see you again in person, man. I really. Absolutely. So will you pray well, for us? I think us? if you'll let me before we pray, I just want to land on and, and help, you know, your church with this just thought. Like, what I've been praying in this season is, God, search my heart. Search my heart. And is there anything in my heart that doesn't look like you? What, 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 what if we landed on that there might be before we say that there is none? And then is none of what? I don't think it starts with racism and ends with racism. No, it may end with that. But let's just start here. City First, will you do this with me? Do I like to be comfortable? Ask myself that question. And yeah, I think the answer is yes. Now, do I prefer to be comfortable? Have the areas of my life that I'm comfortable become my preference? My crowd, has it, my comfortable crowd, has that become my preference? Well, I, I think we need to ask God to search your heart. Because what happens is, is if we don't, then our preferences become standards. Yes. Yes. And if we don't, then our standards become stereotypical thinking from anybody outside of my in-group. Wow. And if we don't, my stereotypical thinking because, becomes prejudgment. Yeah. When I begin to prejudice, be pre, prejudge people that I have no proximity and no relationship with based on if I watch MSNBC, Fox, or CNN. And then if, if prejudice really is a part of my heart, then I, I move to the side of racism, which is superiority. Thinking that my comfort group is better than everybody else's group. So before we say, I'm not racist, I get that. I'm, I'm, I'm sure many of us aren't, many of you aren't. But I think what we have to be uh, good at in this season is asking God, what are the areas that if the enemy got a hold of could become that? Absolutely. And that's a comfort zone. And so City First, I'd love to pray for you. I'd love for you to join and stay a part of the conversation. I'd love for you to enter into someone else's world. Paul said, and then try to experience things from their point of view. Empathize, experience. The next thing is have empathy, right? And then the last thing is engage. Paul said, I, wanna, I, I don't want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. And I believe this, what unites us as a church is our need for salvation. And I don't care if somebody is facing, is in a fire, I don't think they really care what color of the skin rescues them and pulls them out. And so I want to pray that we would rescue people. I want to pray that, that we would look at the crowds, no matter what crowd we're looking at, and have compassion. Father, I thank you for this amazing church. I thank you for Jeremy and Jen and the whole leadership team. And God, I pray, God, that you not only give them longevity in this conversation, but you give them an anointing to change the trajectory of racism in their city, to change the trajectory of divide in their city. Father, I thank you that this is a kingdom church. I thank you, God, that they are leading the conversation, that they're not shying away from it. And Father, right now we pray, 2 Chronicles 7:14. if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. God, if the land of our country is going to get healed, you got to first heal the land of our heart, our souls, and our minds. 
We ask you to do all these things. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Jimmy, thank you. That was amazing and rich, and I believe it's going to be life-changing for everyone who watched. And I love you, buddy. I really do. Love you too, we man. We are brothers. I can't wait till uh, we get to see each other. I, I, I don't go. like this Zoom stuff. I like being in person, man. So I just... Well, uh, you, we can't shop together on Zoom. Right. Come on. Come on, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I love you, man. All right. Please tell your beautiful family we love them. Uh, Jen and I love you very much. And uh, God bless, okay? Absolutely. God bless, Jeremy. Love you guys. Love you too.